BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. The Cubs opener has been the catalyst for a lot of deals to get done in my lifetime, and I believe it will be the catalyst to get our deal with Comcast done. Hi, everybody. I'm Fran Spielman. It is opening day eve for the Chicago Cubs, the team that I root for. And with me today is Crane Kenny, president of business operations for the Cubs. But first, a little traveling music. All right, let me hear you. Good and loud, everyone. Take me out to the That's that virtual one with 300 participants, including Ryan Dempster. So I couldn't resist that. There you go. Does it feel opening day? I mean, it, it's really weird, isn't it? It is. Uh, it's odd um, for a whole bunch of reasons, right? So typically on opening day, we've got one eye on most likely a snowstorm moving east and worry about weather. And obviously that's not a concern this year. And we're also keeping a close eye on, uh, you know, 41,000 people will be coming into the ballpark and that's also not happening this year. So, uh, starting, starting the season in the middle of the summer and without fans is, is certainly not something I'd ever see. And during each home game, you've announced today that with, uh, foul balls will be collected by the team and shipped to the season ticket holder with the closest seat location. That's kind of interesting. Yeah, you know, one of the things that's lost, obviously, with our fans not being there, is their chance at getting a souvenir. Um, and yet, the the, the the balls are still going to be coming into the seat. So, what we're going to do is track all the foul balls and and home runs as well uh, for our bleacher season ticket holders, uh, and um, get those balls to our to our fans. So that'll be a small way of keeping connected to Wrigley Field and and the game on the field. And you're also going to feature a moment of silence and solidarity and recognizing the Black Lives Matter movement and the home opener and virtual pitches by the governor and the mayor and Ryan Sandberg at the ballpark with healthcare officials honored. How did that come about? Yeah, so as you know, there's, there's quite a bit of pageantry with opening day and in in any year. Um, normally, we would have uh, dignitaries like the, the governor and the mayor in attendance. Um, this year, we won't. 
Um, so we did want to incorporate them in a, in a first pitch video so people will see uh, our elected officials celebrating the beginning of baseball. Um, it'll be virtual, obviously, instead of in person, but, but that's kind of neat. And then, listen, you know, baseball's occupied a unique position in, in, in sort of the evolution of social justice in our country. Um, and open day is, is the right time for all of us to, to remind ourselves that our is much larger than baseball that, that are being, uh, discussed in our country. And so, uh, the black lives matter, uh, stencil as well as, uh, Keeter and Bryant, uh, joining us for a song. Um, uh, it seems like the right thing to do is our country, uh, debates topics that probably should have been discussed much more seriously, uh, years ago. And do you expect the players to kneel for the national anthem? We, ha- we, ha- we haven't talked to the players about their, their plans. Um, there's a, there's a group called the players Alliance, um, that, uh, we've been talking to. It's a really well-organized group. Um, uh, and our players are active in it. Um, and they will be, there will be a, a moment to observe, um, what's happening in our country on racial inequity. And, uh, and the, the, the great work we have ahead of us. Um, but I don't, I don't know whether they'll be kneeling or not. And you don't have an opinion on it. No, I don't, I don't want to get into to my views on that. Listen, we, we, we believe all of our players uh, have the right to express themselves in whatever way uh, they deem appropriate. Um, and, and if a player chose that as their means for expressing their views, uh, we would certainly support that. Um, uh, but I just don't know what the plans are at the moment. Here's my big question as a fan. Will I be able to watch it? I'm a Comcast customer on Marquee Network. Yeah, and, and so that one has been certainly the most popular topic in, in, in uh, my world. We are working uh, toward an agreement with Comcast. Um, opening day, you know, this. if you look back at the launch of, of Marquee, um, there were sort of two groups of distributors. There were those who got on board very quickly and very early AT&T and direct TV, you know, being two of them and, you know, Mediacom charter and others. And their view was, you know, we wanted to, they wanted to assure their subscribers that they would have marquee in the Cubs. And then there were those who chose to wait and see, uh, whether, um, they could negotiate better terms, um, and hold out essentially, this has been a pattern, um, not just with our station, but with um, stations all over the country. Um, and it's it's really just, a, unfortunately for our fans, it, is, it has been something that kind of from day one became clear this was going to be the MO for Comcast to hold out until the very last moment. Um, I expect the games to be on Comcast tomorrow in time for opening day. Our conversations, the, the pace of those picked up um, right after we reached an agreement with the players to come back and start playing this year. Um, and I think the issues that remain unresolved will be resolved in time for Comcast subscribers to see Marquee tomorrow. Um, and this is, you know, this has been the case even back to my days at WGN um, and carriage of WGN right prior to uh, Cubs openers um, with, with distributors over the last 20 some years. So the Cubs opener has been the catalyst for a lot of deals to get done in my lifetime. And I believe it will be the catalyst to get our deal with Comcast done. So you're literally going to stay all night and just bargain through the night until you get that deal done before uh, six o'clock tomorrow. Yes, that's exactly what we're going to do. 
so I can count on that. I'll be able to turn on my TV and watch it. I, I mean, what, what's the what's the cost? What's it going to be? How much will I have well, to pay co- a month? The, the, the cost will be whatever Comcast uh, elects to charge you. Uh, and uh, we have rates that vary based on your geographic location with Comcast. But ultimately, it's their, it's their decision how much they want to pass through uh, to the subscribers. It's, it's interesting because the number of games hasn't changed, uh, among the four teams. As you know, we were partners with uh, the uh, White Sox, Bulls and Blackhawks and Comcast for 15 years. Um, and today, uh, that channel is being distributed without Cub games. So that rate should have declined as a result. Um, and all of our games that weren't on Comcast were on the GN or ABC, um, they also get paid uh, instead of sub- subscription fees. It's called retransmission consent fees. So the, the net pie hasn't changed. There's no more games being provided to the market. Um, and it should be a shifting of the fees that were collected by ABC, GN, and, and NBC Sportsnet. Um, and we've asked for a portion of those fees to now come to marquee, but leaving the subscriber uh, in sort of a net-net same position. Um, what Comcast elects to do is really up to them. So I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to tell you what the rate's going to be for for each household. So if you don't come up with a deal in the next 12, 24 hours, say, how what will it mean to your fan base? How do you hold on to a fan base that is counting on watching you? Yeah. So if, if we are unable to reach an agreement, which again, I, I don't believe will be the case, but if, if we weren't, then, then our fans to games would have to move their service to either, you know, one of a dozen other services that are available, including, uh, you know, direct TV, AT&T um, and others. Uh, so uh, yeah, it would be, a, it would be a major dislocation. And as we all know, changing your television service is not easy. It's, it's a nuisance. Uh, and, uh, it would be, it would be very difficult for our fan base, uh, to have to go through that again. We don't see that happening. Um, but that's the answer. The Sox are on the move with all their young talent. Uh, they've signed Dallas Keuchel and Yasmani Grandal. They have Aloy Jimenez and Dylan C's courtesy of the Cubs. Are the Cubs at risk of losing their dominance in this market, particularly if they are not available on Comcast? Well, so we, we don't worry so much about what's happening on the South side. Uh, it's actually great for our city to have competitive teams on both sides of town. Um, and, uh, you know, so I, I think, you know, the, the, the progress they've made in their rebuild is, is terrific. And we wish them well this year, except for when they're playing us. Um, but in terms of how, how we will fare in terms of market share, and uh, sort of the baseball mind, uh, minds in Chicago, um, you know, the, the history for the Cubs has been that our fans have stayed with us through thick and thin, you know, we're really in the middle of the golden era of Cubs baseball. If you look at the performance, uh, for, for this team and the teams, you know, going back to 2015, uh, we don't think we're at the end of the window. Uh, we still think we have a really good team. Um, you know, the performance over the years would tell you that, you know, especially with Rossi leading them, um, our expectations should be high. Uh, certainly not having carriage on the dominant provider in the market would be a huge negative for our uh, fan base. So we're keeping a close eye on that. And again, as I said, I don't expect that to 
continue for much longer. Uh, we'll hopefully check that box and move on. Um, but in terms of play on the field, you know, uh, we're very excited about the club we have this year and can't wait to tee it up tomorrow. Your job is to run the business side of the Cubs. Theo Epstein had the money to spend on players. Now we're in the middle of a pandemic where there are zero fans in the stands. There are no concerts. There's no Cubs convention. Gallagher Way, your outdoor plaza is empty. How do you maximize revenue given all of that? Yeah, so largely we've been reduced to uh, to basically our media revenues, so our television radio revenues, uh, as well as our share of leagues profits uh, that are shared equally among all 30 clubs. Yeah, so it'll be, you know, um, Major League Baseball will lose $4.5 billion this year. Uh, we will lose our share of that. We'll be, uh, again, we, we skew toward the higher end in terms of losses. Uh, because we do have such a supportive fan base um, and some of the things that you mentioned that have been built into the ballpark. Uh, so the Ricketts family will sustain a, a major loss this year in terms of the operations of the club. Um, we're fortunate that we have a really supportive owner. Um, we've been fortunate that we've not furloughed anyone uh, in the front office. Uh, uh, many of us have taken uh, pay cuts uh, to, pro- you know, to provide a, a chance for everyone to, to remain employed, but Mostly this is going to get done because the Ricketts family have been so supportive of what we, what we're doing. And, um, next year, as we start into the 2021 season, you know, that'll be a different equation and we'll have to assess what are the likelihood of having fans in the ballpark next year. And that'll go largely to progress on vaccines and other therapy therapies that are available to, to beat back this, this pandemic we've got. How much will the Cubs lose from this very short season of 60 games, the empty stadium, we, no concerts? We, yeah, we, we've shared uh, the number will be well north of $125 million in losses this year. Um, and that and baseball has shared that, that collectively the clubs will lose $4.5 billion. Um, so it is, you know, it's a year where our fi- our costs are fixed um, largely going into the season with uh, our payroll as well as the operation of our uh, organization uh, all the way from spring training down to the Dominican Republic and then of course Wrigley. Um, we did what we could to to reduce those uh, costs, um, closing businesses down and and obviously trying to be as, as as prudent as we can in terms of what we're spending. But you know the the the, the costs will not. Um, Will, will not be cut back enough when there's no revenue. And, and largely, other than our TV and radio rights, there, there'll be no revenue this year. The concerts were a huge source of revenue, and that was money you didn't need to share with other teams. You had about a dozen of them a year. That's a real loss to you, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. The music, the music business has been really good to us. Uh, we, As you know, we had a really busy calendar for uh, this season with live music at Wrigley, and yep, all of that as well um, will not will not be enjoyed. Have you given up on fans in the stands this year? You had talked at one point about 8,000 fans a game that you thought could be done safely at home. Yeah. Have you given no, up on that? Ha- no, we haven't. Um, and, and we've got uh, protocols that we've uh, supplied to the league, the city for how we would bring uh, between six and 7,000 people into the ballpark observing all the requirements for social distancing um, uh, and, and, and doing it in a safe way. Um, we have a new manifest that basically 
would uh, break uh, fans up into groups of two, four, and six. So if you're coming with your family, uh, people that you're spending time with in your home, um, and let's say there are four or six of you, you could sit together, uh, but you would be six feet from anyone else in the ballpark. Um, we've also looked at how you would get in and out of the ballpark and how would you, how you would use the restroom and concessions facilities. Uh, a little bit like you see in a restaurant, um, masks would be, would, would be required on the way in. Uh, they'd be required at any time you weren't in your seat. Um, so if you had to use the restroom, you'd be asked to put a mask on much like you, you do in a restaurant. Uh, and if you were going to go uh, get concessions, that concessions would largely be um, uh, ordered from your seat uh, so that you didn't spend time in line. So there, there is a, there is a plan. Um, it would probably not happen until half the halfway point of the season. Um, but we are hopeful to get a small number of fans into the ballpark this year. And, and largely that would be for our benefit to see how the ballpark operates with those rules. Um, we have to plan for a potential of that happening next year where we're not allowed to have full capacity in the ballpark where it wouldn't be safe to do that. Uh, and getting uh, a little bit of a look in a pilot program this year to see how, you know, ingress, egress, concessions, restrooms, ticket sales might work um, would be really helpful to get ready for next weekend. How would the entry and exit go? Would you be assigned a time and a gate? How would that work? Yeah, you would be, rather than saying that it's a 120 game and you can come anytime up to two hours prior to the game to get to the ballpark, you would be assigned a specific entry window. Um, it would be much shorter than the two hour window we, we allow to, uh, where gates open right. two hours before the first pitch. Uh, and you would be designated a gate to use for entry and exit. Um, so again, minutes, it's a ball. Like every 15 minutes? We, we, have, we, haven't, we haven't selected the window, um, but it would be much shorter than two hours. And as you know, Wrigley Field you know, holds about 40,000. Uh, so to get six or 7,000 in there, you know, we have plenty of gates to get people in and out. Um, observing social distancing. So it's, it's doable. Um, again, the number one priority in this is, is the health and safety of our fans uh, and our staff um, and obviously the players. So if we thought this was not viable from perspective, uh, we wouldn't push forward on it. And obviously we'll need the help and support of the city um, to, to make that happen. So those conversations are ongoing um, Major League Baseball at the moment is not permitting fans into any ballpark. So even if we had worked it out with the city, uh, that wouldn't have happened for opening. So it's something we're looking at down the road. It's not, um, again, it's really a pilot program with just a few fans. Um, we think it would be useful, but it's, you know, it's, it's not a, it's not a huge number of revenue for us. It's, it's more about the experience. Would you be assigned a time to leave? and a gate to leave how would that work yeah you would be assigned a gate to leave we're working on the question whether you'd be assigned a time to leave um because as we know fans do come and go mostly come in a, in a certain pattern um but go at their kind of at their leisure so uh no one would be asked to leave the game prior to um the game's ending so it wouldn't be that we said fran you need to leave in the seventh inning uh, you'd, you'd, you would be permitted to stay for the whole game. It, it would just be a staggered exit. Uh, again, yes, I, would refuse, I would refuse if he asked to leave in the seventh. I wouldn't do it. <laughs> I yeah, got to stay to right. the bitter end. 
Um, how has this all impacted your business plan, short and long term? Well, um, you know, the short term, uh, it basically uh, upended the entire uh, plan for 2020. You know, um, when you think about it, it wasn't that long ago that we were shutting spring training down. Uh, you know, essentially the, the first part of March um, and and essentially rewriting the playbook for what 2020 would look like. Um, but it completely upended the business plan for this year. Uh, we are, as we're building the plan, you know, this is the time of year we would typically plan for the following year. And, you know, in a usual scenario, um, we have, a, we have a, because we have such supportive owners, you know, our, our formula is very simple. I determine uh, with my team, you know, what the prospects are for growing revenue uh, year to year. Um, we reduce the uh, total by the fixed costs or the operating costs of the organization. And the remainder all goes to Theo to spend on players. Um, and as we know, in the last multiple years, you know, we've been the top three spenders in baseball. Um, again, because of the facility and our fans have supported us to such a great degree. We've been able to afford, you know, one of the better payrolls around, around baseball. When I usually do my planning leading into the following season, you know, you look at a couple of variables. One is how did the team perform the prior year? So coming off the World Series in 2016, it's pretty easy to project that revenue might grow in 2017. And then you look at a bunch of macroeconomic indicators, GDP growth, unemployment, inflation, et cetera. And so usually with those two factors, you know, you have a plus or minus of maybe 5% of achieving projections. And so that would be in a typical year, you know, we would be able to, with some certainty, express future revenues, which allow us to build a payroll. And, and obviously that has to be on prior to the opening day. This year um, will be, you know, quite different. And, and if I was usually um, on or, you know, right or wrong to, to a 5% degree, uh, don't know, because we don't know, will there be a vaccine? Um, if there isn't a vaccine, how many fans would choose to come to the ballpark? Um, what will, what will our local officials allow us to bring into the ballpark? What's the safe number? Um, so we're either going to have, you know, uh, if it was a full ballpark at three and a half million total with uh, concerts included, uh, it might be zero. So uh, the planning for next year will be, again, novel and uh, probably have a much larger variance than in any prior year for my in my time here. And we have Chris Bryant and Javi Baez, who will be free agents after 2021, Anthony Rizzo after 2022. And Theo Epstein has said it's hard to plan for next week, let alone a couple of years from now. Will the Cubs have the money to re-sign Javi, to re-sign Bryant, to re-sign Rizzo, where are we in all this? Well, no. So th those are questions that are some. The answers are unknowable. Um, you know, I, I I don't know what the advances in medicine will tell us by the fall. Um, you know, so we're in the same shoes as, as every other club. Um, and you know, while we've been the biggest, some of the biggest spenders in baseball the last several years. That's been because, um, especially with the renovations to Wrigley, uh, you know, we've had the resources to do it. Um, I, you know, sitting here today, I don't think anyone can project what's going to happen uh, a year from now. Uh, obviously hopeful on some of the advantages seeing on the medical side, but, um, you know, your guess would be as good as mine as to whether we're, we're playing in front of full houses next year. 
But the Dodgers just signed a 12-year, $365 million deal with Mookie Betts that beat Mike Trout's 2019 deal as it is the largest in the history of Major League Baseball. If the Dodgers can do it in the middle of a pandemic, why couldn't the Cubs? Well, and so the, and the Dodgers were beneficiaries of the largest meteorites contract ever done uh, when they um, when they launched their channel Spectrum uh, with Time Warner. Uh, it's a deal that there isn't anything close to it. And again, so if next year um, we're unfortunately not playing with fans and we only have meteorites to lean on, you know, they have that incredibly outside deal uh, to lean on. So. Um, that was done at a point in time, you know, sort of prior to any of the, the current turbulence we're in, in all the media markets and, um, you know, and, and kudos to them for their timing. Uh, and, uh, and so that's, that, that would probably be my answer as to why they're, they're able to do a deal like that. And you're saying that the Cubs can't. I'm not saying we can't. I'm saying uh, you asked me why the Dodgers could do a deal like that. Uh, in the middle of a pandemic, it's because I think most people are, are reasonably confident we will have meteorites next year. And that is for them by far their largest revenue line. Yeah. How is Marquis doing so far? Uh, Marquis off to a great start um, for, uh, f- for all of us who've been in the media business for a while, you know, anytime you're launching a new network and for us, you know, going back to CLTV and, for me, the Food Network and all these other channels we've launched, including Fox Sportsnet Chicago and Comcast Sportsnet, you know, you're always nervous about um, the programming uh, and the distribution on the programming side. You know, Mike uh, McCarthy, Mike Santini, have done an amazing job. Uh, it's been really great to welcome Mark Grace back, as well as Lou Pinella and Mark DeRosa, a former Cub player and managers. Uh, to to provide a, a a view of our team and our our, our ballpark and life as a Cub player or manager that we've really not heard before. Um, I think their special event, um, in particular, the Ernie Banks documentary was really well done. And then, you know, bringing people on, like they had Dr. Fauci on recently. Uh, George Will was on, Mike Wilbon. They've gotten some really great, some Cub connected, like George Will, and some just really topical, like Dr. Fauci. So we've We've had some amazing programming, even during the pandemic, that we're really proud of. Um, and I think the production has been terrific. The distribution, obviously, the question we've already talked about, which is Comcast. Other than Comcast, we still have a little bit of a hiccup like everyone has had with Dish. Um, but but we need to get the Comcast done. Uh, and then, really, the, the point of all of this, and people say, why, why did you break away and, and, and build your own channel? You know, there were two reasons. The first was to super serve our fans. Um, I think some of the insight, I, the, the feature we had were Mark Grace and Anthony Rizzo in spring training prior to COVID talked about playing first base and the nuances in particular playing at Wrigley. Um, that was incredible. Uh, the same thing with Sutcliffe and Kyle Hendricks standing on the mound talking about um, different moments in their careers uh, pitching uh, for the team and obviously at Wrigley. You know, those are things that in-depth coverage, um, which, you know, no fault of our old channel. You know, the old channel had to serve four different teams. Alex, all that timeshare to one team would have been unfair to the White Sox, Bulls, and Blackhawks. And so the answer when we would ask about those things is, yeah, we can't do it. You know, we, we can't do a documentary 
just on Ernie Banks. Uh, it would skew the channel too too much toward the Cubs. The same thing for pre and post game coverage. You know, you, you saw that shrinking year after year in our old uh, location. Uh, today, there's no reason to. You know, we're here to serve Cub fans, um, and it's not. Um, there are no limitations on what Mike, the two mics can do in terms of for coverage. So, um, really happy with how Marquis has gotten off the ground. The other important factor for us is is, is revenue. Um, with Comcast Carriage, it, we will we will have more revenue available for the team than we did in our old scenario. So, um, it's sort of like everything. If you look back in time, you know, I go back a ways when we launched Wrigley Field Premium Tickets in 2004. You know, kind of prior to StubHub. There was a lot of uh, a lot of uh, drama around that. Today, it's become very accepted. Um, you know, I think the the video boards and all the drama there was around the ballpark. Um, again, it took people a little while to get used to it, but I think by and large, they've been accepted. Same thing in building our new spring training home. A lot of drama around leaving Holcan, especially when we considered a, a move to Naples, Florida, to provide a better facility for our players. Um, I think now Sloan Park has been it's been the highest attendance in both the cactus and grapefruit league since it opened. So that would tell me that fans are enjoying it. So, you know, the lens you have to look through for all of these things, Fran is, is, is generational. Um, what is the right thing for the organization for multiple years down the road? Um, the launch of marquee, while it has been bumpy on the distribution side, will will stand the test of time. As we look back on it two or three years from now, much like Sloan park, and the video boards and Radio Field premium tickets and, and actually bringing music into the ballpark. When we first started in 05, that was roundly criticized as being, um, after disco demolition on the south side, something that could be in, could put in jeopardy um, the field and access for players. And now it's become obviously a real important business for us in terms of growing the resources we can put back into the, the team. So all these things, when you look at them from a distance, look a lot uh, are a lot easier to understand. But when you're right up close to them, um, there's a little there's a little agita, and and certainly with Marquis, there's some agita right now. Is there anything the city can do to help the Cubs through this difficult time? Perhaps more night games for next season, opening the plaza for the season, closing the streets around Wrigley, anything like that. The city has been amazing. Uh, they've been incredibly supportive. Um, our, our mayor, a real uh, sports fan, I was on with staff yesterday. We were talking about um, having a having a mayor that really, really loves sports. I had uh, during a rain delay, I think it was last year, uh, we were able, the mayor and I were able to just catch up on Michigan football, which is one of my alma maters. And uh, she is a legit fan. She is um it's not just topical. This isn't uh, somebody who skims the sports section. She, she's got the, she's got the details. So it's really it's been really great working with her office. Uh, they were hugely helpful last week when they gave us permission to, to play more night games. Um, what we're trying on to do on the weekend, on the weekend, yeah, on, the, on Friday, on Friday and Saturday, yeah, which are as you know prohibited by the current uh, ordinance. And uh, what we're trying to do with for our players' health is limit the number of days they spend in a hotel. So um, if we can get, if we can play night games, especially when we're returning from the road, you know, maybe we can get home a little sooner. Um, when we go on the road, we're going to want to play as many night games as we can as well so that we can go in the day of the game. So um, the mayor uh, has been, you know, really, as was Alderman Tunney. 
to, to extend our night game order. And so you'll see this season we're playing more Friday and Saturday nights uh, than we ever have. Um, so Is there no, anything the more that you need or would like to see her do? Would you like to open the plaza? Would you like to close the streets? No, you know, closing the streets for us has always been a security issue that when we have 40,000 people in the ballpark, um, we don't think it's a great idea to have uh, cars rolling right next to the ballpark. Uh, and in particular, as you know, how fans gather before and after games, you know, right around the ballpark. So without fans, that issue is, is, is certainly less of a concern to us. Um, opening Gallagher way, listen, it's, it's sad that we've got one of the most important and, and most popular parks on the North side and not open. Um, I've had tons of email and, and comments when I've been around the ballpark from neighbors who say they, you know, they miss the fountains for the kids and they miss the free movies and they miss the music and the wiggle worms and all the things we do there. Um, it's probably not smart to open a, a place right now that, that does bring people together, uh, even though it is for, for fun and, and largely for the kids. Um, so having Gallagher, Gallagher way closed at the moment probably makes some sense. Like everything, I, I, there's probably a way um, to open it for uh, for things like movies and maybe watch parties um, where people would cluster um, in groups away from um, other families that might be coming. But at the moment, I think her, her posture on keeping Gallagher Way closed is probably the most prudent. Are you concerned about rising crime in the city? Has that affected the Wrigley area with looting damage to any of the areas and or the restaurant, the hotel? Yeah, we, we didn't sustain any, any damage uh, with, with the looting we saw downtown. Um, so that, you know, that hasn't been something that's been uh, highest on our list in terms of concerns, but, you know, listen, crime in our city is not good for the city. Um, and we play, you know, we are, we're a tourist destination. I think, you know, this, we're the third largest tourist destination in Chicago. Um, and so anything that depresses that economy, um, is not good for the city. It's not good for us. So, um, watching that closely. The beauty of baseball is the slow pace. You can talk to your friends and family, but that's what makes it boring to the younger generation that likes video games and quick pace. Is that made more difficult with no fans in the stand and can crowd noise? Well, you know, so the, the question is, well, there, there are no in-park crowds. So, um, you know, it's a question of the, the home experience and the home experience has been a challenge. I'll be honest. Um, you know, we're trying to create the best uh, and most um, familiar experience for, for those watching at home. And clearly the game on the field is the, is the star. There was the energy you get from from the crowd and and obviously the crowd noise. We've we've been working really hard for the last couple of weeks to do the best we can to create some of that um, that that audible uh, energy that you get uh, that comes from the, the fans in the ballpark uh, at the home experience. And so we have FX mics buried around the ballpark. I think you'll be hearing more of the players this year. Um, one because the crowd noise is going to be lower. The second is because we put some mics in some unusual locations near the bases. Um, we have tried to time up uh, some of the what we call white noise. There's, it's important for there to be some level of of crowd noise in the ballpark. If there weren't, um, hitters could sense the catcher moving behind them and potentially get an advantage as a catcher sets up to receive a pitch. 
So um, the league has mandated that every club uh, insert at least one um, uh, level of uh, one decibel level of crowd noise. We've brought in what we call the sounds of Wrigley. So we've taken, we've stripped out of some of the audio tracks from prior games, sounds that are really peculiar to Wrigley Field, and drop those into the master track. We also are going to be using the organ extensively, as we always do. Um, so we're trying to create an experience that will feel at home, much like it did last year if you were watching a game from home. Uh, we'll, we miss the fans, though. There's no, there's no replacing the energy they bring to the ballpark. And, um, and so we'll see uh, as the season goes on how we're doing. Well, Crane, thank you so much for joining us. Good luck in this season of asterisks. This will really be a war of attrition. So far, the Cubs have been vigilant and very lucky to have no players test positive. Let's hope that that continues. Best of luck to you, and thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you all next week. Thanks, Crane. Okay, stay safe.